Well, if you take your Bible, Luke 2 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 2, and I'd ask you to grab that Bible and find the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to be in chapter 2. You know it's Christmas when we're in Luke 2, right? So find that. The hustle and bustle of Christmas is officially starting. I think for some people it's been going on for a while. I know my girls have already watched 10, 20, maybe 30 Christmas movies. Uh, first service they were here and I said 10 or 20. And they said, Dad, it's probably like 30. So I stand corrected. 30 Christmas movies. I got sucked into one of them. Well, besides like the, you know, the traditionals that we all watch. Like I'm talking Hallmark Christmas movies, okay? I got sucked into one. Now, we started this new um, this new exercise, it might become a yearly routine, I think. And that is, try to guess what happens in the Hallmark Christmas movie. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, actually. Basically, there's a female. She's from the big city. Comes back to her hometown. There's the guy. He's attractive, but a little unassuming. Doesn't seem successful. Turns out, he's actually wildly successful, but he's modest. So they start doing some kind of Christmas project together, and the Christmas magic just, like, falls upon them, Cupid's Christmas magic, and then they fall in love. And there, there's always a couple question marks, but you kind of just know how it's going to go. And so maybe you could try that with your family, guess the Christmas movie. But Christmas, it is such a magical time, right? Um, after four years in Cedar Lake, I finally caught the Parade of Lights. Accidentally. <laughs> I was at Strax with my daughters, and we were doing the normal get stuff for mom, but video chat with her because we don't know whether we're supposed to get the generic or the not generic or if this is too expensive for meat or whatever, you know. So we're doing that and we come out and we pull up to turn left on 133rd here in Cedar Lake and the police cruisers and the lights and the sirens, they're leading the pack of the parade of lights. And I'm like, all right, put it in the park. We're watching this. And which was good because I've always kind of wanted to, to see it, but I, I just, I'll be honest, I didn't think it was worth sitting out in the cold for so I sat there, and uh, it was actually pretty good. Uh, I was surprised. During a pandemic, it was entertaining. My favorite, though, by far, the singing Johnny on the Spots, which if you don't know what those are, those are porter potties, okay? The porter potties with, like, lights on them with mouths that moved. And I just sat there and thought, truly classy, <laughs> truly entertaining. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It was, it was fun. Now, there's a difference between considering the season of Christmas, all the lights, all the nostalgia, all the stuff, you know, and then taking the time to, to, to think about personally, what does Christmas mean to me? What does Christmas mean to you? How are you supposed to personally engage with Christmas this season? And I want to get personal this morning, and it shouldn't be too tough because I think we're wired in this country to, to think about ourselves during Christmas, I think this is true for us. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, when I was a kid, in Christmas morning, it didn't matter to me how perfect the tree looked or even how many gifts were under the tree. The only thing that mattered to me was how many of them had my name on it? How many of them said Mark or Marky, because I'm the second, you know? How many of them were from Mark? And why does Ben have 18 presents and I have six? What is going on with that? Well, you don't know my family dynamic, but if you did, there's 12 years between us. He's the baby. So my gifts were more expensive would be one explanation. The other would be he was spoiled because he was the baby. Both are probably true. But for me, it was like, you know, you, you run down the steps, usually way before my parents were up. 
look at the gifts, shake them, find the tags. In our house, we have, a, we have a, a system, and my kids, we try to change it up so they don't know which one's for them. And we just kind of mess with them. It's kind of fun. So, but bottom line is when you're a kid, you want to know what's for me. So I think it's not a, a stretch for us to think personally, what does Christmas mean to me? That's what we're going to do today. Now, don't get the wrong impression. I'm not totally materialistic, okay? Gifts are way more than just the physical object that somebody gives to you that moves from them to you. It's more than that, right? I mean, a gift is about somebody thought of me, somebody cares for me, somebody went through the trouble to give me a gift that is meaningful. So it's more than just a physical object. And sometimes gifts can actually move us emotionally. I was trying to think back through my childhood and come up with an emotional gift. I didn't do very well because the only one I could come up with was um, a cassette Walkman that I got when I was in middle or high school. Now, this is not my cassette Walkman, but it is real living cassette Walkman. And some of you don't know what that is. And you, you take it and you put little cassettes in there. And some of you don't know what that is. And those are like little ribbons, like, I don't know, one of the Transformers is a cassette tape, if that helps you. But basically, this was groundbreaking because I loved music as a kid. And with this, you could actually like put it on your and you could like move with music. You could actually take the music with you. I don't think they had that with eight track players, right? That was before my time, I don't know. Record players, they definitely didn't have that. This is like the first portable music. I love music and I still do. And for me, I remember getting this thing and being like, my life is changed. And I, I took it on my paper route, not this one, it's my wife's. Took it on my paper route, listened to all my music. I won't tell you what was in there because you'll make fun of me. But it was emotional. Like, I still have this visceral memory of hitting the eject button. This one doesn't do it, which is kind of lame. But you hit the eject button and it would pop open. Like, I remember the feeling of that. Now, I must be pretty shallow because that's the emotional gift I came up with. But you have had a much more emotional gift, I am sure. Maybe somebody gave you a gift and it came from deep affection. And it just it changed your relationship. Maybe you received a sum of money, an inheritance, and it was way more than you expected and it like changed your life. Maybe it was like the little scribblings of your kindergartner. You know, you're sick and they thought about mommy or they thought about daddy. And so you put that up in your, your office or in your, you know, wherever. And so a gift could take all kinds of different forms, but it can actually affect you emotionally. It's more than the physical object. It's they thought about you, they care about you. And we hope that with gifts that we get for people that it moves them. And of course, the greatest gift ever given was a gift that moved to us and it actually moves us. And I'm talking about Jesus' birth. And in the Christmas account, Jesus moves. That's what we're going to see. Jesus actually moves from heaven to earth. And hopefully that gift of Jesus coming to us, moving to us, moves us emotionally and changes us so that we're never the same. So I want to go back to the well-worn pages of Luke 2. And uh, if you have that, make sure you look there because we're going to read the good old Christmas account from Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. Let's read the whole text and uh, follow along with me as I read. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is God's word. Now, I love this passage. This this was literally the center of our Christmas morning, much to the chagrin of my brothers and myself, because we had to wait till Luke 2 was read before we could tear into our presence. And I just read it. It wasn't that long, but it felt like so long. <laughs> and we were all waiting. But it, because it was such a, a center of our Christmas morning, I decided to continue the torture, I mean blessing, with my kids. Uh, so every year we do the same thing. We read the Luke 2 story. We get into presents and all that, that good stuff. But I am so glad that we have these details in Luke 2. And I was thinking about this as I was preparing. The, the finer details of Jesus' birth. Luke, I don't know if you know this, but Luke is the only gospel writer to include these. Were it not for Luke writing these, the Holy Spirit writing them through Luke, we wouldn't know these, these details of the shepherds in the field and, and, the, and the manger. And I know from what Luke says elsewhere that what he did and what his goal was was to travel around and interview all of the eyewitnesses. So Luke's big thing was eyewitness account. So he made sure he went, found the people, interviewed them. I don't know if he had like a little tablet thing. I don't know, I don't know what he had, but he, he, he got all the details and then he formulated it and the Holy Spirit spoke through him as he wrote the gospel account. So I believe he went and found the shepherds and he was able to find out from at least one of the shepherds, hey, what happened that night? I believe he found Mary and Joseph and he was able to figure out what happened by their eyewitness accounts. There were no smartphones to capture these things. This required an eyewitness sharing it. So praise the Lord that we have Luke 2, right? Praise the Lord that we have this account, which was written for you and for me. And so this morning, we're going to look at a Christmas gift. And I want to say this, this gift is for you, for you. So everything I say is for you and it's for me. This gift has your name on it. And I want to begin to build the anticipation. As we go through December, we're going, to, we're going to build up to this idea of Jesus is the gift that moves to us and he moves us and he changes us. Now in John 3, John the Baptist says about Jesus that he comes from above 
fact, John 3.31 says, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Over in John 4, the next chapter, uh, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. And he refers to himself as, this is interesting, he refers to himself as the gift of God. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who was talking to you, Jesus actually describes himself as the gift from God. And so two things this morning I want you to, to get about how Jesus is given to the world. If he's this gift, then notice Jesus is the gift first, from heaven to earth, from heaven to earth. And I want to zero in on verses 8 through 14 this morning. Really, the scene of the shepherds, the field, what's happening that evening. That's what we want to really give our attention to here. And so you have these angels and they're, they're minding their own business. We're not exactly sure who they were. We, knew they were she- we know they were shepherds. Many believe they were tending sheep that might be Passover lambs uh, coming up. Not positive about that. But we know that these are shepherds and they always have the night shift. These are these are the, like the third shift shepherds. So they're used to darkness. They always take care of the sheep in the darkness. And, and so what happens is all of a sudden, this brilliant light, the brightest light they've ever seen, just out of nowhere, like shrinks their pupils. You know how your pupils kind of dilate and they're probably really big. And all of a sudden this bright light comes in and the shepherds are just surprised. I mean, they, they've never seen anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. And what it is, it's the angel of the Lord who we read about all in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord who's emanating the glory of the Lord busts on the scene, bright light. What we have here is heaven come to earth. We have a collision here, a collision between heavenly and earthly. A heavenly being has made contact with earthly shepherds. And notice what the result is, Right? They're afraid. They're very afraid. And then it gets even brighter. All of a sudden, all these, the, the multitude, this heavenly host, we don't know, thousands maybe, maybe more, show up and the light gets brighter and the sound gets louder. And this is what happens when heaven collides with earth. The mundane collides with majesty and the bland crashes into brilliance. I mean, you have these earthly shepherds. I'll get to them in a second. And you have these heavenly beings. Heaven come to earth. This is a gift of heaven to earth. And, and, and I don't know if you thought about this, but the angels are really just simply a visualization of what's actually happening. What's already happened that day is heaven has come to earth, right? The heavenly has collided with the earthly. And what I'm talking about is the creator of the universe who's now taken on flesh, little infant Pink baby flesh. I think it's probably darker than pink, but little baby. God taking on the, the form of a man. This is heaven crashing into earth. So these angels are really just like icing on the cake. They're showing what is actually happening. I mean, you read about the birth. The birth is very unassuming. It's in a barn or a cave. No audience, save a teenage boy and girl who are actually pretty ordinary. And what couldn't be seen with the naked eye is announced by these angels. This is a cataclysmic event. This is a miraculous thing that has happened. But if you were just peering in the cave, you, it wouldn't seem ordinary. It wouldn't seem anything but ordinary. If anything, it seemed less than ordinary. 
So the angels are really just a visual representation of what truly has happened. And notice in verse 14, here's what they say. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he, that's God, is pleased. I mean, God is glorious. God is in the highest. The text says he is the highest. There is no one higher than God. There is no one more glorious than God. And yet, God has chosen to visit earthlings and he's brought his majesty and he's brought his peace and he's brought his joy. I kind of think of it this way. It's as if the universe can't contain it, you know? Something truly dimension bending is happening here. And, and the scene is so ordinary that it's like the angels are like, oh, no, 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 this is, this has got, there's got to be a light show. There's got to be a pronouncement. Obviously, God is telling him to do this. But like, this is so huge that it, it requires a little, bit of, a little bit of fanfare out in the field with some shepherds. And at this point, we might ask, you know, why is God doing this? Why bend the universe and invade earth with heaven? Why the incarnation? Why God become Man, and here's the point. Jesus comes from heaven to earth because without him bridging these realms, we have absolutely no hope of ever going from earth to heaven. There's no way that you and I can somehow move from earth to heaven unless he first comes from heaven to earth, bridges these dimensions, and makes a way. There's no other way for us to be with him forever. Now, in Luke 2, if you were to kind of survey it, there is, there's quite a bit of effort. I mean, you have Joseph and Mary traversing to Bethlehem. It's a hard journey. You know, I saw Brandon and Tara up here and, you know, she's pregnant. And I'm like, imagine taking that journey at that state. Like, that's, that's, that's a lot of effort. We have the pinnacle of human effort, in my opinion, and that's Mary giving birth, labor. <laughs> a lot of effort going on in Luke 2. The best we can do, though, as humans is this horizontal effort, but we have no ability to have any effort vertically to God, to heaven, to be able to, to span these realms, to be able to get somehow to God, to be able to earn favor with him, to gain salvation. We have zero ability. In fact, we're paralyzed. Spiritually speaking, we're absolutely paralyzed. I mean, notice the way that the shepherds are when they encounter this heavenly realm. The heavenly realm overwhelms us. It overwhelms us because God's glory is more than you can bear. God's glory is more than I can bear. Any person in the Bible who encounters the glory of God is paralyzed. And we talked about glory a couple weeks ago. We were in the book of Romans and, we, and, and I was just kind of taking you through Romans and, and highlighting glory and how it shows up. And, and, I, and I talked about how glory is the trajectory of the universe. Like that's Truly, God is all about bringing glory to himself. And that's where we're going. Like, all of us are going that way. We're going to glorify God for all eternity, and God is in the business of redeeming everything so that it brings glory to him. Problem is, we fail to glorify God. Romans 3 says we fall short of the glory of God, right? So everything since Adam and Eve sinning in the garden has been the story of us falling short of the glory of God. And not giving God the glory that he rightly deserves. The whole universe is really about glory. It was hard enough for Joseph and Mary to move from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but forget about moving from earth to heaven. It will not happen. We cannot reach the glory of God. We cannot bring glory to God as we should 
unless God comes down. Unless God bridges that gap. Unless the heavenly invades the earthly. And so the gift of God really of Christmas is heaven come to earth. Heaven come to us. Uh, Grant Osborne says this about the glory of the angels. He says, The stress is on the Shekinah glory once more descending on our world, as it did during the Exodus at Sinai and with the tabernacle and the temple. If you know your Old Testament, every time the Shekinah glory shows up, people are paralyzed. <laughs> they, they, they can't even look upon it. You know, Moses can't, can't look upon the glory. And, and, and no one can go into the Holy of Holies Save that one high priest once a year by God's grace. This is Shekinah glory. The angel of the Lord and the angels are emanating this glory, which is why they have to say to the shepherds, fear not. I can tell you're afraid. <laughs> Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of joy. Don't be scared. This is an arrival of joy, not dread. That's the thing about Jesus. He turns Sorrow into joy, fear into hope. He, he turns, you know, he turns the broken things and he makes them whole, mourning into dancing. So you have these shepherds and they are paralyzed and they're sitting there like, I don't know what to do. And he says, don't be afraid, be joyful. And that's the story of Christmas really is God taking the sorrow and turning it into joy. He takes Grinches and he turns them into Cindy Luhus. I mean, that's what God does in Christmas. He takes the broken and he makes them whole. He takes darkness and he makes it light. And all this happens because of heaven come to earth. Now we're gonna get into in the future weeks this idea of what God does do with us, how he changes us, how he actually makes us into something new. But we're not there yet. What I want to focus on the remainder of the time this morning is how personal this is. I just want you to get this morning how personal this is. And this is kind of what God has done on me this week, realizing, man, this is for me. Like this, this gift is for me, for Mark. So not only is Jesus the gift that moves from heaven to earth, more pointedly, I think, Jesus is the gift from God to us. You can put your name in there from God to me, from God to you. This is a gift that is personal. It's not just heaven invading earth. That's true. This is, this is dimension bending, but this is personal. Look at Luke 2.10. In verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, notice, that will be for all the people. For all the people. So the shepherds are told that this announcement and really this baby is for them, for them, the shepherds. Even for shepherds, especially for shepherds. I don't think it's an accident that God first announced his birth, that he first shown this glory and revealed the, the true amazement of, of Christ's birth to shepherds. Why do I say that? Well, he could have, you know, he could have revealed himself to the powerful, to the prestigious, to those in the palace. He could have, but he doesn't. Shepherds. And if you've studied, you know, shepherds, you know they're world famous now and they're on every nativity and we give them a lot of respect. Back then, not so much. Back then, they were the scum of society, really. They were notorious thieves or at least that was their reputation. And people kind of viewed them as the societal bottom of the barrel. So here you have God choosing 
kind of the last people you'd expect. But that's kind of the way God works, right? The last people you'd expect to be the ones to receive this announcement of good news. And really, the last people that you would expect to be first on the scene in worshiping this Christ child. Isaiah 61, though, I want to read this verse. And tell me it doesn't make sense, okay? Tell me that the fact that this announcement is given to the poor shepherds doesn't make sense. Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. This is Jesus. Uh, Jesus speaks later and he quotes Isaiah. So this is written in the book of Isaiah. Later, Jesus quotes this in his ministry. And he says, He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So isn't this just perfect that the good news, the announcement, that's the word that is used in the text, good news, is given to shepherds, the poor, the despised, the collision of these angels with shepherds is a perfect backdrop for the incarnation. It really is. Jesus is a gift for all types of people. Every kind of person. And we know this from our study in Romans, right? Jesus is given for the poor, for the rich, for the male, for, for female, for Jew, for Gentile, for all types of people. And whatever your situation today, I want you to hear this. Jesus is given for you. Whatever your station in life, whatever, whatever category you fit into, if Jesus is for all people, then Jesus is for you. And Jesus was given, and he came as that gift for you. And as I mentioned, in this text, we have this phrase, good news. It's one word, and it's in verse 10, but it's one word. It's the same exact word that is translated gospel all throughout the New Testament. So Romans 1.1, for instance Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And so that word gospel right there means good news. Quite simply, the gospel is this. It's the good news that Jesus has arrived, that Jesus is bringing his kingdom, and with him all hope and peace. And it's the pronouncement, it's the announcement of that. That's good news. That's what gospel means. And so here we have the angels giving good news, the gospel, to these poor shepherds. I think that's Isaiah 61.1, right? Good news given to the poor. Now the angel's announcement isn't only all-inclusive. It is. It's for all people, which means it's for you. But then the announcement becomes more personal and more intimate. Notice what the angel says. It says, for unto you is born this day. Unto you. Unto who? Who, who is, he, is the angel talking about? And I think a literal, logical reading of the text says that the angel was telling the shepherds that Jesus was given to them. Like the shepherds. Jesus is a gift to them. That baby in the manger was for them. And I don't want you to miss the personal nature of this. And, and as I think about these shepherds, I mean, it just became mind-blowing. You're sitting there in the field. And it's like, there's a baby. He's born for you. What does that mean? It means that God did this because he loves us. Because Jesus loves me. Be more personal. Jesus loves Mark. And I want you to do that this morning. I want you to take this and realize that Jesus is a gift given for, put your name in the blank. It's to you. Jesus given for you. Isaiah 9, 6 also talks about Jesus as a gift. And Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, 
to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born. By the way, I can't read that without thinking of the Messiah. And one of the pieces of culture that my parents gave us growing up was our senior year, they would take us to see the Messiah with the Philadelphia Orchestra. And, um, and I played trumpet growing up and stuff like that. But um, I was blown away by the Messiah. I mean, it's operatic and some of you aren't into that kind of thing, but it's all scripture. Like it's all scripture. This is one of the verses, right? And probably one of the more famous verses. For to us, a child is born to us. And, and this gift, it was, it was promised way back in, in the book of Isaiah, but actually you gotta go back even further than that, right? Because if you go all the way back to Abraham in the book of Genesis, Genesis 12, three, you have this promise given to the patriarch. I will, God says this, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so now in Luke 2, we have the fulfillment of this promise given way back when, right? Given way back to Abraham. In you, Abraham, somehow there's gonna be a descendant. And that descendant is going to be the fulfiller of all the promises to the entire world. All types of people, all nations. And then in Isaiah it's written, and now we come to the fulfillment. Luke 2 is the fulfillment. Christmas has finally come. I mean, the, the Jewish people have been waiting for this for a long time. The anticipation, the buildup, and finally the wait is over. Now outside of Mary and Joseph, do you notice who is the first that gets to unwrap the gift of Jesus? I mean, outside of the two of them, because they, they get him first. Who's next? It's these shepherds, these lowly and lucky shepherds. They're the chosen ones that God has elected to be first. Look at verses 15 through 17 here in Luke 2. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And so the shepherds get to unwrap the gift of Jesus, so to speak, see the Christ child. And here, hands down, is, is the most important question for you this morning and something that I, I hope you'll consider. And that is this, have you unwrapped the gift of Jesus yet? Has there ever been a time in which you have personally understood Jesus to be the whole point of Christmas? I know it's kind of a no-brainer, Christ is in Christmas, but it, it, has there ever been a time where you got it? You were like, he was given for me. He's a gift for me. Not all the Christmas stuff, not all the, the lights and the and the fanfares and the Cedar Lake porter potties and, and all that stuff. Like none of that stuff, you saw Jesus for who he is. Christmas is a crazy time because I don't know if there's a time in, in, in our culture, in this, in this country, in which we come so close to people understanding the gospel, but, but so far away. I go back to that, you know, Messiah um, performance that, that I got to sit in with my parents and they took us out to a fancy restaurant and all, it was just a nice way outside of our normal thing. And, but I remember sitting there and thinking, man, this is all the Bible. 
Like how do you play the violin and sing the operatic songs? All of this scripture about Jesus being the Messiah that saves us from our sins and, and how the world is dark and all, how do you do all that and not get it? And I don't know if you've ever thought that yourself. Like during Christmas, it's like one of the only times where the rock radio will play songs that have the gospel in them. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And yet we're so far away, right? It's a cultural thing. It's nostalgia. It's, it's just part of the trimmings, you know? And so my heart this morning is, is for you. If, if for some reason you've grown up in a home and you know about Christmas and all of this stuff, something you already knew, but you've never quite realized that this baby had to be born because if this baby wasn't born and heaven did not come to earth and move from there to here, we could never move from here to there. Never. There's no hope. Because the Bible says even our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? Even the things that we do that in man's eyes are pretty good doesn't merit anything with God. So Jesus had to come and heaven had to invade earth and he came for you. And so my prayer for you this morning is if there's somebody here that for whatever reason, just never has made it personal. Jesus is not your Lord. He's just a, a, a kind of a fairy tale or a nice man or a prophet or something like that. If you've never bowed your knee to Jesus, I mean, yeah, he's a baby here, but just keep reading, okay? He grows up. He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross in my place, right? And my sin is put on him because he didn't have any and his righteousness is given to me. And he dies but then three days later, he arises from the dead. And when he raises from the dead, he stays with his disciples for a while and then he ascends into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father and he's coming back again. And when he comes this next time, and that's what we wait for, it's part of Advent, he's not gonna come in a little manger. He's gonna come on a white horse and it's gonna be really, really obvious, his majesty. It's not gonna be angels in the field with a couple shepherds. It's gonna be the Shekinah glory everywhere. And that's the hope that we have as believers. And so if that's not your hope this morning, please come talk to me. Seek one of the leaders out here. We would love to share that good news with you. You know, when we get mail here at the office, sometimes it has my name on it, but I have to confess, I throw it in the trash. Okay, that's because it's like junk mail about something with office equipment. I don't even know, but it's got my name on it. It's like, nope, don't want that today. I gotta know. It's never like something you sent me, don't worry. It's only the, the stuff that just, it has my name on it, but I'm not opening it. You, you know what I mean. You get that at your house, right? Or at my house, I might get a package that is from Amazon or something, and it might have my name on it, but it's really not for me. It's for my wife. It's for my kids, right? I don't open that either. But if I see a wrapped present and it says, like, written on it, to Mark from X, whatever, I open it every time, okay? There's never been a time I have not opened a gift like that uh, because... I know it's personally given to me. And this is the idea this morning, really, is that this is a gift given to you. It's got your name on it. Do you receive it? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? And now some of you are saying, yes, Mark, I, I've trusted in Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I'm pumped for this Christmas season. Okay, good. Then I ask you, does the gift of Jesus still move you? Does it still move you emotionally? Does it still affect you? Because sometimes Christmas becomes like a hassle, right? I drove for UPS for four years. Worst Christmases ever, okay? Like so stressful. I hated life. I hated Christmas. 
hated Amazon, hated any, like, like, it's just miserable if you're a delivery driver during Christmas. I mean, I got over it, I worked through it, God helped me, okay. But the, the year that I was done working for UPS and the church picked me up full time, this is going ways back, a long time ago, I did like a happy dance. That was the best Christmas ever. I just took it all in. I was like, yes, Christmas without all the stress. For some of you guys, like your job gets stressful at Christmas or you're the mom or the dad, usually the mom, who has to pick all the presents and do all the work and all that kind of stuff and you lose the joy of Christmas and you forget that this is the gift given to you. And this year we're trying to do our best to help prepare us, to anticipate it. We got candles, right? We got the, the newsletter that's going out with the different Advent readings because we want you to see your heart be prepared and be emotionally engaged this Christmas. It's important. God sent his son to you. And he loves us just where we are, but he loves us too much to leave us where we are. And he changes us. He moves us. And that's what the next three weeks are really going to be about is, okay, this is the gift Jesus given to us. What's that supposed to do to us? How are we supposed to move and change? What's going on? And so you'll come back next week and we'll get into all that good stuff.